Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, thanks for watching. I got a really uh, topical and exciting show to talk about today. It is Thursday, 7 a.m. Uh, in California, and that means we bring back Jonathan Twomley. How you doing, Jonathan? I'm great, Michael. How are you today? I have been looking forward to this interview for like the last four days because what <laughs> I see going on in the multifamily market is like, I mean, I can read it. I can understand it at like a 10,000 foot level, but I'm like, I'm going to talk to Jonathan and just see how nutty and insane and quick all these changes are coming to the multifamily market and um you know i what do you see uh i think this is uh this is crazy yeah so the big news in multifamily right now is uh the lenders mm -hmm. and this is totally predictable given what's going on the lenders are always uh, they always you know there's a there's a kind of lender cycle if you want mm -hmm. that where uh starting at the beginning of the cycle if after a correction they get really conservative and they yeah. don't want to touch anything other than like the gold star deals with the gold star sponsors and like really deep pocketed people and they don't want to touch anything even though that is actually the best time to be buying with the least risk but because of we're going to talk about this in a, in, in a second there's something called recency bias Mm. which is a cognitive bias, which causes people to overreact to events that are recent and memorable, right? So if there's a correction, even when the correction is finished and there's growth again, people, not just bankers, but people have a tendency to think, oh, it just crashed. It's going to crash some more, mm -hmm. right? So they, they overcorrect. And this happens to lenders, so they overcorrect, they get too conservative when they really should be actually loosening up their standards a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what happens is then slowly things start to get better. You know, they see deals getting done, they see the deals succeeding, and they start gradually loosening their, their standards. And then what happens is the market goes up and up and up, and the deal quality gets more and more marginal. Mm -hmm. And because all the fat is gone, right? Everybody's jumping into the market. All of the, all of the meat has been, you know, basically taken off the bone on all these deals. They get more and more expensive, which means that they're getting riskier and riskier and riskier. But to most investors' minds and to bankers' minds, it's, they feel less risky, right? Because everybody's making money and it feels good. So they get, and also on top of that, they have to loosen their lending standards or they can't get any deals done. So they start loosening their standards, looser, 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 looser as you go up. And then finally it tips over the peak and people get burned. And then the bankers go, oh my God, we loosened too much. Let's tighten up and they overcorrect and the whole thing starts again. So what we're seeing now is the banker, but we're seeing this now in like compressed time, right? Yes. Usually this is a, some, a process that takes months. Right now we're seeing this happen in a, in a period of like two weeks, which, you know, Nobody in human history, I think, has ever seen this happen yes. quite so fast. Maybe I don't really remember exactly from the last crash because I was watching it kind of from the sidelines as a real estate lawyer. So I wasn't seeing what the banks were doing. 
maybe something similar happened. No, I can tell you, at least from the residential and being active, it, your impression is right. It took a year to six quarters, so a year and a half, for it to go from ridiculously easy to I won't lend to the most pristine buyer. And I was right. buying that whole time, right? We got a couple of yes answers kind of at, I don't know, month seven of the crash. But by month 10, we got no's. And then by month 11, we got hell no's, right? And, yeah. and you're right. 2010 was the best time to be a lender because I was buying stuff at land value that was like, you know, people talk about the 1% rule. I was buying stuff with a three on it. Yeah. I mean- it was the weird. lenders are overprotected at that point in the cycle, but they don't realize it. And they are all going into cover your ass mode. Right? Yes. I don't know if I can say that on this podcast, yeah, but I did. You did. So um, I did. <laughs> so um, the, uh, <laughs> but so what we're seeing now is this, this crazy, you know, and, 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 and understandable reaction yeah. from the lenders where suddenly what they're seeing is, you know, we had this massive unemployment number today. Mm -hmm. Everybody's being kept home. 3.28 million people filed for unemployment this week. It's, it's a, it, it was five times the previous record, mm -hmm. right? Five times the previous record. Yeah. And the bankers are looking at this and, and saying, how are people going to pay their rent, right? And the stimulus package that was just passed is providing for like 1,200 bucks or something ridiculous for people, mm -hmm. which they'll burn through in an instant, right? So they're, they're gonna, you know, when we talked about the, the house stimulus package last time, that would have really helped people pay their rent. This stimulus package is not, it's, it's going to be like, you know, spit in a bucket. And at least for people, I mean, corporations look at a big slush fund, but corporate, but individual people will get like buckets. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not going to help. And the bankers are looking at this and going, boy, these deals that two weeks ago, we were convinced, you know, this market's going to rise forever. Everybody's going to rent forever. Now, all of a sudden, they're thinking the opposite. Nobody's going to rent. Nobody can pay their rent. How are these deals going to get done? And what they have done now is something which I actually didn't expect. I knew that they would get more conservative. But what they did was something that I, I think took a lot of people by surprise, which was they, you know, the spreads have gone up, the, you know, interest rates have gone up and everything. But what they did was they dramatically change the escrow requirements for mm -hmm. deals. And if you're not a multifamily investor, you've never actually done a multifamily deal before. And this is something, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll toot my course for a moment. You don't learn a lot about this in a lot of places and books don't talk about this. If you take my program, all this is laid out. So you understand this perfectly well. Um, but <coughs> when lenders, when you do a multifamily deal, you've got all your, you know, you've got, come down with your down payment. You've got to pay all the, there's all kinds of closing costs associated with the deal that you have to pay for, but you also have to escrow a lot of money up front mm -hmm. for things like your first year's insurance. Your usually they want you to escrow a couple months of debt service just to get started. There's a couple of things like that. If you have there's sometimes they require you to make repairs and they want you to escrow for that. So you have to come up with this money on top of the money that you uh, you know, for closing costs and whatever. And, but what they've done now is they have dramatically changed these escrows so that all of the, say like your property tax escrow and your insurance is usually a full year, but property tax is usually they'll, 
want you to escrow like two months worth of property taxes just to get ahead. And then every month you're paying into mm -hmm. your escrow as on an operating basis mm -hmm. so that at the end of the year, you could, the money's there to pay your taxes and mm -hmm. it's easy. Um, so you're just spreading out the cost over the year. What they're doing now though, is they, they're requiring you to fund all those escrows for the full year upfront at closing. And here's the real killer fund a year's worth of debt service mm. at closing. Wow. So like, I'm just thinking about a deal that I did where we had, you know, it was a $5 million deal, uh, you know, raised about 1.6 million of equity to cover the down payment and all the closing costs and my acquisition fee and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The debt service on that deal on an annual basis is about $250,000 a year. Okay. So imagine adding that 250K to your capital raise up front, right? Mm -hmm. You have that, and plus your escrows also, you're probably talking about between three and $400,000 additional that you have to raise wow. just to close the deal. So that's one, so basically you, that's a, an additional 25% of your equity. So that's, taking your cash on cash return down by 25% right, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And so if you've promised your investors, you know, a certain preferred return based on the normal capital raise, like you're not making that preferred return, yep. you're going to get what we call behind the pref, which means you are not going to make any money until you catch up with what you have owed your investors. And that's going to accumulate every year. Mm. Right. So Syndicators are looking at uh, not making any money on deals or having to like severely reduce their, their investors' expectations of returns. And they're already thin, right? Because deals are already trading at all-time high prices with all-time low cap rates, which means that offering those preferred returns means either your numbers are funky or you have to do a massively risky and expensive complete rehabilitation on the property. And, mm -hmm. you know, so... Um, that's going to basically cause the multifamily market to grind to a halt. And, you know, other than for the really, really well-funded, deep-pocketed investors, and probably those people are not doing syndications or they're doing syndications only for, you know, you know class A, new build, institutional right. grade with institutional clients who are like, okay, we, we, have to, we still have to place this pension fund money that's coming in. But other than people like that, for, your, <clears throat> for folks like me and all my colleagues, this means we're basically like done for until this crisis kind of sorts itself out. Because it's just, I just can't see how you overcome those kinds of uh, requirements and still provide an attractive return. So it's going to shift the market. And yeah. the, the other thing that's happening um, is, or I should say, not the other thing that's happening, but for some people who are really in a bad spot because this is happening as they're trying to close their deals. Yes. Right. So they're actually, they may be outside their, their uh, inspection period, which means their money has gone hard, their deposit, right. They yeah. can't get it back. They can't back out. Um, and they probably, because of where the market was, they had no financing contingencies anymore because those went away several years ago because people yep. bid them, bid them away. Right. They were willing to sacrifice them. Mm. Some people were out there, you know, doing crazy stuff like letting their entire deposit go hard day one because they were so anxious to get deals. Cause they're so convinced that like, you know, this, they can't fail. Mm. And, and obviously nobody thought this was going to happen, 
but this is, but you have to kind of, as a good investor, you have to be prepared for the thing that nobody thought was going to happen. Yeah. Right. And you don't know what it is, but you know, that there's a likelihood that something could happen. It could be a war. It could be, yeah. you know, a, like the collapse of a major bank or like we're seeing this pandemic. So, um, but people who are actually, so they're in the middle of their closing period and trying to, they've just had their interest rate hiked on them, which mm-hmm. destroys their underwriting. They've just had this additional, uh, you know, escrow requirements. So they've got to scramble to get this money from their investors. And uh, they're also now dealing with investors getting skittish and pulling their money out. Yeah. Cause that's always what happens. Right. And especially investors who have just lost 30% in the stock market, they're going, Oh my God, I, you know, maybe they don't even have the money to, to put yeah. into the deal anymore. Right. Possible. Maybe they were going to, you know, maybe they're not working right now. So suddenly, you know, they're like, I, this 50,000 bucks I've got to live on. Right. So um, that's going to cause turmoil too. So this has been a big, uh, like it's a big shock to the multifamily business. So Jonathan, I'd love to kind of play this out. And I know none of us have a crystal ball, but we both have experience, you know, decades of experience sort of looking at this. So I want to break it down into three time chunks. Sure. I want to talk about sort of deals in play in the next, call it 60 days. Um, then I want to talk about, oh, I don't know, a year out and then five years out, right? So if we talk about today, you kind of already hit that. And I think you're right. There's, there are a bunch of deals that are just going to blow up. Um, yeah. Some people are going to use this as a reason to get their money back. Uh, some people earn this money's hard. Good luck. Uh, yeah, investors are going to pull out. Uh, lots of deals. I, when, when lenders make changes like this in days and, and literally in hours in some cases, they're, they're really telling the market they don't want to do a deal. They want yeah. to say no, but they probably can't legally say no. So they just change the rules. Right? Yeah. That, that's, that's, a, that's a belief of mine. Um, so basically, I think what they're trying to do is they want to do less deals the next 60 days because they're not even sure what's going to happen, right? Is that kind right. of a fair assumption? Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think also, you know, lenders look, I mean, I think as investors or real estate people, we tend to look at the, the bank Mm. as providing mortgages, right? Mm -hmm. But the bank is actually doing a lot more than that, right? The bank is like, you know, they're lending money to businesses and, and they're, they've got, they're investing, they've got products that are investing in the stock market and they're doing all kinds of like other things other than lending mortgages. And it, it ultimately comes all out of the same bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we're talking about you know, different subsidiaries and different arms of the business that do different things, you know, if the, if the lenders are looking at, oh my goodness, all of our, you know, all of the money that we've lent to weak businesses, you know, businesses with weak balance sheets Mm -hmm. that need to have the economy strong um, are going to, you know, that, that money is all at risk now. Mm -hmm. So we've got to hunker down and like, make sure that we can maintain our own liquidity requirements. So we're, cause we don't want to go belly up because they can't pay. Right. And, so we're going to hunker down. Like, what can we, where can we not 
put money out right now. Yeah. Well, let's exactly. not put money into the, into these mortgages at the moment. Right. And so it, it, you have to th- understand that it's not just the, it's not just the multifamily business. Oh, and no, for sure. Yeah. So, or, or commercial real estate or whatever it is. I mean, there's, it's, it's a whole, the banks have all these other issues going on. And the banks also, I mean, if the banks were playing that game where they took their tax cut and they just use it to do share buybacks, <laughs> all that, all that money has just gone poof. Yes. Right. Yeah. And uh, so their share prices have gone way down and that affects their own ability to raise money and yep. raise capital. And, you know, so all of these things are part of one big picture and you have to remember that as well. But to get back to your question, so I think it's the easiest thing to, to predict is five years from now, right? Okay. Five years from now, assuming that all things be equal, you know, we'll get through this coronavirus thing, assuming that we don't have like another recession, like a regular old recession mm-hmm. caused by regular old business reasons. Uh, assuming that doesn't happen in five years, like all of this will be, have, will be forgotten and it'll be business as usual. And, you know, yeah. cap rates will be what they are. I, I don't, I, I don't think that they'll be where they are right now, but that's probably not because of reluctance. We're probably, because we'll just be in a different point in the cycle in five years. I think, yeah, with, I think with that's fair to, to believe. So, um, but we're not going to, you know, this crisis is going to be gone in five years. Agreed. A year from now, I think it's a different story. I think a year from now, the memory will still be recent. It'll still be sharp in people's minds. And I think they're just going to be less, risk tolerant than they were two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Yeah. So I think that what you're going to see is, you know, after we emerge, after the, the current, the dust settles from what's happening right now mm-hmm. and you know, what's going to happen right now is there's going to be, you know, banks are pulling out, yep. which they probably have the right to do. I don't know sure. if they legally have to have to loan or not. I mean, there's no, there's no, unless the, the mortgage documents are signed already, mm-hmm. right. And that usually doesn't, the banks are smart. They don't do that till the last day. Yep. Right. So um, there, you know, that there's going to be a lot of litigation, I think, between buyers and sellers, mm-hmm. because the, the, the buyer, the sellers that take a hard line and say, sorry, guys, didn't close. I'm taking the deposit. Right. Yep. Uh, there are going to be some who are going to be like, look, I'm going to be reasonable. This is something that nobody expected. I'm going to let you out. There's going to, yeah, there'll be people be like some. that. Yeah. And then there's going to be people who are going to, who are going to be looking at their own, like they're going to be in survival mode. They'll be like, I, I need that $250,000. I'm taking it. You know, yep. contract is a contract. It wasn't, you know, yeah. this is, this is the risk you took. You took, you took the risk that yep. the world was going to blow up. And so the money's mine, but the, 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 the buyers will absolutely sue in those mm-hmm. situations to get the money back. For so sure. there'll be a lot of litigation. Um, and but a year from now, sort of after that stuff has all kind of sorted itself out, what I think you're going to see is just more caution in general than we've had right now. Like, yeah, just, just because, just because people, this will be recent. When we talked about that recency bias, mm-hmm. right. This is still going to be fresh in everyone's mind. And they're going to be asking themselves the question. They may be worried about, first of all, coming back in the fall. If the if coronavirus does come back in the fall, that's going to make people skittish. Mm-hmm. Right. But in general, they're going to be thinking about risk more. They're going to be thinking about what else could happen. Like, you know, and um, especially since we were, it was such a frothy market before. And I think people are going to start, they're going to take a step back and say, wow, is it, should we really have been lending at those levels? You know, should, should, were those valuations 
really yeah. supportable. And, um, and I think it's going to cause banks for a while to, you know, maybe these crazy escrow things will go away soon because they'll realize it just deals can't get done under those circumstances at all. And they're going to have to blend and make money. But I, I'm pretty sure that they are going to look at the underwriting a lot more, um, a lot more carefully. And they're probably going to, the spreads are going to stay high. So interest rates are not, even if, even if the underlying interest rates are very low, the spreads are going to stay high. And uh, because to, to compensate them for the risk they think they're taking. And I think they're going to, they may change their, uh, their uh, loan to value requirements. I think they yeah. may get more conservative and say, you know what, we're only going to 70% now. We're not going to 75% um, or maybe even 65%. And I think they're going to be much more, you know, it may look a lot more like when I was starting out where, you know, only people with a lot of experience and, you know, a history of, of, uh, uh, operation are going to be able to get agency debt and other people are going to have to turn to CMBS, mm-hmm. um, which is commercial mortgage backed securities, which is a little, they're willing to take a little more risk with operators, but they have a lot of strings attached. Um, I, I don't personally like, I've done CMBS. I don't like it, uh, but that was all I could do when I started. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see that again. Although the CMBS market is called, they have actually called a complete halt. Oh, they're so done. Yeah, stop. They're done. They're out. They've just said, we're, we're out. So until this all shakes out. So, so the agencies are still lending, but they are getting more cautious. So, yeah. but CMBS will probably come back first, so to speak, because it'll, once this all shakes out, because mm-hmm. they, they, they have been willing to take a little more risk because they feel they're secure because of all this, just all the, compliance and stuff they make you go through yeah not to say so, that Fannie and Freddie don't but CMBS is like really really yeah. a lot of strings attached this is how I sort of saw it when I outlined it for you and again you're the expert in the in the large multifamily and syndication all that I'm I'm a casual observer at best so in the next 60 days I think the answer is just less deals get done and probably yeah. substantially less deals yeah. it, it will probably be shocking just like the 3.2 million unemployment, new unemployment claims today. It'll be something off the charts like we've never seen before. So that's the next 60 days. I think a year out, um, you know, we're, we're the best stuff uh, is starting to transact again, transact mm-hmm. again, the, I don't know, call it the A stuff, uh, the, the stuff that is performing. Right. Uh, cap rates have gone up points, in my opinion, in most yeah. markets. You know, if you're in a four, it's now six. If you're in a five, it's now eight. Right, it's going to go up across the board. Uh, again, less transactions will be done year on year. Um, you know, I think the 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 quote unquote value add that you and I were hearing so much about the last year doesn't really get done unless it's a kind of owner financing or the one off stuff, because there won't be nobody's going to do fifty percent down and escrow this and escrow that. Yeah, in my opinion. But five years out, I think you're right. I think the the purchase and all of that kind of back to where it is. But here's my question for you is I suspect, and again, this is, you know, 60 months from now. So who knows? I think interest rates will be higher than they are today. And what I'm concerned about is the refi exit. I think so many deals were done. Bad deals were done the last two years. I actually think, you know, the five, seven, 10 year refis that people have are, most of those aren't going to get done or get done very well. So I've been talking about this for quite a while, as you know, Michael, like that 
that the the real risk to a lot of deals is the refi, yeah. right? And and the exit and the exit cap rates that people have been projecting. Yeah. Now, I think that arguably, you know, two weeks ago, had the world continued to be the way it was, then, you know, maybe, maybe it could have lasted another few years and some people would have been able to refinance at those, you know, it wouldn't have lasted forever. But I think, yeah. I think what we can say now is that this, now it's definitely going to be an issue for people right. on the refi because I think that, as you say, cap rates will be higher you know, like, I think what a lot of people sort of lose track of is that a cap rate, right? So the cap rate is the, when you, excuse me, you take, you take your net operating income and you divide it by the purchase price that gives you the cap rate. It's the same thing as an unleveraged return, right? right? So it's, it's the return without using debt to juice your returns. That's so that's, that's what it is. The cap rate is a risk premium. Right. So that's why you have higher cap rates for, uh, for sort of quote unquote lower quality deals. Right. So mm-hmm. the higher the quality. So A property has got a lower cap rate than B than C. And New York City has a lower cap rate for everything than, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina, mm-hmm. than, you know, Greenville, South Carolina. Right. Okay. So, and there's, and you can just kind of look at it as a matrix, right? Sort of a nine part matrix of like, you know, a market, B market, C market, a property, B property, mm. C property. Gotcha. And so your highest returns, your highest cap rates are going to be in that box. That's C markets, mm-hmm. C property. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what's happened is that whole thing has gotten compressed over mm-hmm. time where yep. that, that, that ninth box has gotten a lot closer to that first box. Exactly. Then, then it, sh- then it usually is. And then, uh, you know, correction, it goes, it stretches back out again, right? And I, I, the reason is because people think that the, a C asset in a C market is more risky than a, a, an A-class property in an A-class market, right? So, uh, but if people have sort of lost track of that, what happens is the opposite happens. Like as cap rates compress, they start thinking it's less risky, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of why they're compressing because mm-hmm. the perception is, there's less risk. So we're willing to, we're willing to pay more for this asset because we perceive it as less risky. Um, but what they, what they don't really understand is that they're making it more risky by paying more money, right? They're making it more risky by compressing that cap rate. So now you're going to see the cap rate stretch out again, because certainly for the next year, at least, right? Because people are just going to be skittish mm-hmm. and we're still going to be seeing the effects. And this is kind of like a good segue into another topic, which is, you know, unemployment claims came out today, I guess today. Mm-hmm, I yeah. saw it this morning. I yeah, 6.30. Or, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So 3.28 million people filed for unemployment last week. It is, it's five times the previous record, actually more than five times the mm-hmm. previous record of mm-hmm. weekly unemployment claims. Mm-hmm. And Ben Bernanke was out, who's the previous Fed, or eight, well, two, two, two Fed chairmen yeah. ago before Yellen. Mm-hmm. And Bernanke was he was the the person who you know was at in charge of the fed during the financial crisis the last one mm-hmm. and what he predicted was that we will have a very deep but very short recession so a very v-shaped kind of re- recession which you know it's going to go it's just going to plummet but then as the crisis passes 
since this is not like a financial crisis or a, a crisis of confidence, mm-hmm. people will just go back to work, right? And and that'll and the economy will quickly recover. I think that's probably true. Um, he didn't say how far back it's going to bounce, though. He said yeah. it would come back quickly, and I think, and I think that what's going to happen is that it's probably going to bounce back like ninety five percent very quickly, but there's going to be that last 5%, mm-hmm. maybe 90, 95. Yeah, like more like 90. <laughs> so it's, it's most of it, most of the economic activity is going to bounce back yes. quickly. But the problem is though, that there are businesses that are going to go out of business during this time period. And the longer it goes on, the longer, yes. the more businesses will go out of business. So when it comes back, those businesses won't exist anymore to hire back their employees. So unemployment will be higher and, you know, the economy won't bounce back to the same place it was. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's, I, I think, you know, very s- either because they're skeptical of this whole thing or for whatever reason, or they're just really optimistic, like it is not going to bounce back to the same level that it was. Mm-hmm. It'll bounce back most of the way, but not all of the way. So that's also going to impact, you know, the multifamily market and psychologically the multifamily market will be the same way. It will bounce back but it will not bounce back all the way. So mm-hmm. cap rates are going to be higher because people are going to a be looking at the data and saying, Oh, look, now we have 5% unemployment or five and a half percent unemployment, which mm-hmm. frankly, like several years ago was great. Everybody thought that was a great, like that was a great level of unemployment to have like yeah. 5%. It's a healthy economy at 5%. Right. So, but they're going to look at 5% now and go, Oh my God, unemployment is 2% higher than it was it feels riskier to me mm-hmm. uh, and maybe it'll be higher than that because maybe it's going to take a while. The thing is we just can't really predict like exactly how this is going to play out, mm-hmm. right? A lot of economic activity will come back, but how much is going to come back? You know, how quickly is it going to come back? What's going to happen to those businesses that are out of business, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of open questions. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things, you know, again, having invested through the 08 crash, I'm the more and more people that talk about 2020 and 2008, like they're the same thing. You're a freaking idiot. They're not even close to the same thing. Totally different causes, totally different length of duration. The big thing that we have to stop in 2020 that was a huge driver in 2008 was 2008 had what I call a negative feedback loop, right? Your neighbor's house got foreclosed, it dropped the price and I lost mine. And I, I, there was a negative feedback loop and hence it was a real estate depression, at least for the residential side. That's what we have to stop today, right? This uh, $2.2 trillion bill, uh, near as I can tell, I haven't read it yet. It's not in the public domain. It's, I hear it's a thousand pages, so I'm not sure I will read it, but I'll scan it. Uh, supposedly helping the individuals, right? Everybody gets a check, kids get a little money. Uh, what I'm very happy to see is they beefed up unemployment, right? So you can mm-hmm. get up an extra 600. You also don't have to wait a week, right? So they're taking care of the people that it, they essentially said, stay home, right? Right. Uh, so good things. So they're trying to stop the negative feedback loop. But if this thing goes on more than 60 days, I, I can promise you they're going to be sending more checks out. Yeah. Um, you know, cause we, that's what you have to stop. You have to stop the negative feedback loop. And right now, um, we have essentially shut down the service sector of our economy, which is the largest portion of it to a great extent. And that's what we have to stop. If that feedback loop continues, uh, you know, depression is not out of the question. Um, 
So that's, that's, that's what we're playing for here, in my opinion. What, what did, is there anything in the bill? Because I haven't had a chance to look at it. Is there anything in the bill about mortgage relief? There's a lot of talk about forbearance. You, have to, you yeah. obviously need to call. You need to document. Uh, but yes, forbearance is, is everywhere. Because um, I think that's a big difference between this time and the last time, right? There, yes. was no, there was no forbearance last time. So that's why people were getting foreclosed the feedback, on. The feedback loop, just right. it, was always, it was always one more person, right? It wasn't this drop off a cliff like wild coyote falling off a cliff. Hence, the banks have to do it today or they're going out, right? It's right. like staring them in the face. Before, it's like, well, I can, I can take that one. I can take that one, right? It came down to that 80% mark. Or people were slowly. just walking away. People were just yeah. sending the keys back, right? Strategic so, default. Yeah, yeah. It was a thing. It was a name. It was like never in the lexicon. And then suddenly, oh, what's a strategic default? Well, my neighbor did it and blah, blah, blah. So, oh, it's going to be interesting. Then you have big companies like Cheesecake Factory. I don't know if you saw that, but they just sent a note out saying they're not paying their mortgage or they're not paying their rent on all of their stores. Really? I saw, I saw a headline. I didn't read yeah. it. So I didn't know what the article said, but it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's happening. So. Uh, it's interesting times. Uh, I, again, think we did the right thing. We had to take care of the citizens because, um, again, we told them to stay home. Most people want to work and we tell them they can't. They got to stay inside in the major states and the major cities like you and I are both in. Um, you know, we, we just we, we got to get through this. Everybody says we will. I believe we will. The only question is duration. That's the piece that nobody yeah. knows. Well, there was a piece of good news here in New York that I oh, saw cool. yesterday, which was that uh, – at, le- at least for a few days. I, don't, I haven't checked back on this to see if it's held up, but there was a piece in the news about the infection rate or the, uh, the, the rate of admissions to New York City hospitals that actually de- started declining. Oh, awesome. That's so I don't know if that thing. sustained itself, but if it, because they're still saying that they're, you know, the infection rate is going up and the, you know, I mean, I've been hearing like the hospitals Just begging crazy, for, su- for supplies and like, you know, I, there was a, there's a hospital in Queens where apparently they, they now have like refrigeration trucks outside serving as temporary morgues. Ugh. So, um, because they're overwhelmed yeah. with in the morgue, but the, yeah. uh, the, but the admission rate may have peaked because of the drastic, yeah. you know, social, social distancing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, shutting the schools, shutting businesses, shutting everything. I mean, I, I'm, you know, frankly, I'm in my co-working office because, I'm sure that my co-working space doesn't, they want to collect rent from me, right? If they, yeah. if they tell me I can't come, then they can't charge me rent. So that's why the office is open. But I mean, there's like one staff member here, you know? Yeah. So the, the places, as I said before, like this is a brand new space. They rented to about three tenants before coronavirus hit. Oh. So it's completely empty. Um, but it's a big, it's a big corporation. They'll, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll survive. Yeah. But Very you cool. know, all right, man. Well, you take care of yourself. You and I are both in total shutdown. So, you know, take care of yourself. My daughter's in New York. I don't know if we've ever, if I ever shared that. Oh, with no, you. I didn't. Yeah. She's in Astoria, right? We, we own a, I guess an apartment. Is that what you guys call them out there? A condo yeah. apartment? Yeah. We bought it for her after college. So uh, yeah, she's out there. So she's on total lockdown as well. So good times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, take care of yourself. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. We'll get through this and we will talk next week. Absolutely. See you okay. soon. Yep. Yep. Bye.